Welcome to The Open Bell, a podcast for trumpet players, by trumpet players, and a cornet guy. I'm your host, Bill Stoneman, and I'm joined by my good friends and fellow trumpet geeks, Joey Tartell and the hidden hammer, Brian Appleby Weinberg. This episode of The Open Bell is brought to you by the World Trumpet Federation. Insightful articles, how-to videos, Joey's almost famous blog, and the rules are all right at your fingertips. Come on, if you've not yet visited worldtrumpetfederation.com, you're doing it wrong. Get on over to worldtrumpetfederation.com and see what we've been up to. I mean, besides creating the best ever trumpet podcast in the entire world. And by Trombomundi, professional trumpet ensemble, whose new recording, The Non-Articulation Agreement, just dropped. That's right. Now you can add even more trumpet ensemble music to your collection by acquiring the Non-Articulation Agreement, ASAP. Distributed by Mark Custom Recording, the Non-Articulation Agreement, yes, I do like saying it, can also be found on all the popular streaming platforms. The album features Joyous Noise, a new work from Eric Morales. The title track, the Non-Articulation Agreement, as well as A Fond Kiss by yours truly, Bill Stoneman. Kevin McKee's exciting Vuelta del Fuego, the gorgeous duo For Good from Wicked, arranged by our own Brian Appleby Weinberg and others. Good Bait, arranged by Joey Tartell, featuring Joey Tartell on bass trumpet and lead trumpet. The Haunting Aranwez, arranged by our own Jean-Christophe Dobzhelevsky. Laissez le bon temps rouler by the one and only Steve Ali and Home James, a medley of Harry James tunes set by W. Roy Mitchell. That's the Non-Articulation Agreement, available now for purchase and download. You don't want to miss it. The Open Bell Podcast is comprised of three segments, warming up a couple things and no offense. We use these segments to nab name and number information that we believe is important to numerous trumpet ne'er-do-wells. Gentlemen, shall we? Warming up is once again brought to you by ChopSaver, the finest lip treatment in the world. And no, I'm not paid to say that. I just love the stuff. And no matter what trumpet I'm playing, it keeps my chops protected, primed, and postured to pucker in the most pristine way. I even use it when I play cornet. (laughs) Oh, hey, Brian. Make any new friends this week? (laughs) No, I was in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) What a segue. How did you get yourself out of that? I don't know. It just kind of happened. Yeah, well done. Man, you are amazing. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, so warming up. So this week, I just got to tell you that coming back from this accident and this embouchure change, I was ready for the emotional like ups and downs of not being able to do stuff and and how long it was going to take and um I'm totally fine with that because I think the choice was to do that or to just figure out a way to teach without playing at all. And, and I really didn't want to do that. Um, and I didn't want to stop performing. Um, but I, what I wasn't prepared for were two, two things that I, f- I found fascinating. So the first thing is that um, I used to like feel tired. Like I would tell you guys, I'm on my teeth, right? I would I'm feel tired teeth. after eight mm-hmm. hours of, <laughs> eight minutes Ten of a Mundi rehearsal. Say eight minutes yeah. <laughs> is the um, record. But I would, I would like feel tired and I would know that I'm tired. Now it just stops working. 
Like the notes just stop coming out. <laughs> and and which do you prefer? <laughs> I don't know. Like I used to be able to like I could like do some weird stuff and like sort of muscle some notes out. Yeah, don't do um, that. But now it just stops working. I'm like, oh, I guess practice session's over. <laughs> just have to put it down. So that's the first thing. The second thing is um, people used to talk about how using a practice mute would sort of feel weird and they would have difficulty sort of making it through sessions or it would stiffen them up. And I never had an issue using a practice mute. Um, and when we were first doing the thing, um, when we first did the visit to Joey's and uh, a couple of years ago and we were, you know, I'd go on vacation and I'd take all six horns and all the three practice mutes. Like I found that all fine. And this week, because I was gone for 10 days and I was, you know, nobody else was in the, in the house was awake at 5 a.m. practicing. Um, so I used a practice mute all week. And holy smokes, I it got worse and worse and worse. And I got more and more tired and my <laughs> cheeks started hurting the whole week. It's the strangest feeling. And I think I understand what, what people are talking about when they're talking about practice mutes. Now, taking the mute out, it still sounds fine. It still works. But... It was just a very different physical mm. experience. Um, so if you have to practice with a practice mute, I used to just dismiss people's feelings about it. Just go ahead. It's fine. It is fine. It will be fine. But don't feel like if it feels weird or if you get more tired or you don't get that physical response that you're looking for, it's going to be okay. And you should keep practicing. It's not a reason to not not practice. Well, before we move on, I would like to address both of these points. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like shocked. I, I would like to go into reverse order. First, uh, if playing in a practice mute, y you just said something really, really, really important. You should not be going for the same physical response because you can't get it. Right? So if you're looking to feel the same with a practice mute as you do playing open, you, you're just doing it wrong. Stop doing that immediately. Mm -hmm. So I, I think what you may have been doing in the past is I know this might be shocking, overblowing a practice mute and going, wow. yeah, what's the big problem? You just kind of blow it until it kind of blows it out and you're fine. It works fine. Right. And then so you, you, and you're kind of you know strong enough to get your way through that sort of thing. But that's not okay. You want to be playing where you know is right and not where it feels the same. And those are two very, very different pla places yeah, it was play. It was fascinating, especially on like um, doing Clark 2 on E flat. Like just random notes just wouldn't come out. It was just a very strange, mm -hmm. yeah. it was a very strange feeling. Right, but then the All first right, point of going. things just stopping, <laughs> this is actually better. Right. This, this, is, this is just showing you like instead of getting tired and then adjusting to kind of make it through, which is... Terrible idea. <laughs> right, it's a terrible way to and do it. The the ideal that we're all striving to get to is that if you play well enough from a fundamental standpoint, you don't really get tired for longer and longer and longer and longer and longer. And that's what you're experiencing. We just got to keep pushing that longer and longer and longer exactly. out. Right. Yeah. So this right. is actually that first part is a really good thing. Yeah, like you're, you're not, not getting not tired. Get you're just getting to the point of, oh, I'm done now. Okay, I can just be done now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. not giving into the temptation to change things. Right. But I right. want to go back to the practice mute thing for a minute. Because I, like, the practice mute thing, I can only do it for so long. Then I need to play with, as we like to say here, the open bell. Yeah. Because I, you know, I, I need that oral response. But I will say this. Brian is the only guy I know that could play with a practice mute in, and no one in the room would know. I mean, it's that loud. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. He might go, oh, I feel stuffy today. Oh, you have a practice mute in. You're oh, still louder God. than everyone else. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Turn down that mic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was just very interesting. 
interesting week. Ten hey, days. Well, good good yeah. for you though, because that's actually all moving in the right direction. I think so. Yeah. Totally. Wow. Especially the part where you stop. <laughs> that's gonna be great. That's new. <laughs> that's new. <laughs> Keep hammering. <laughs> the hidden hammer. Uh Joey, what do you have for us today? Well, since nobody's brought it up yet, I don't know if you guys have heard. There's a new C D on the market. <gasps> uh, well oh. it, it I might I know you don't hear the voiceovers before we start, but Well no, you don't send them to me until right before we start. <laughs> I know, but it's it's all about the non-articulation agreement. The non-articulation agreement now <laughs> available to any Trump and Mundy person near you or uh, Mark Records. You can check their website. You can order it there as well, yeah. the digital download or the CD. So our new CD is out. Super cool. This is our fourth CD. Yeah. has lots of good stuff on there. Uh, I don't think anything that's been done before. Isn't all of this stuff brand new? All yes. new. Yep. Right? So, Bill, you wrote two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, JC wrote one thing. Uh, yep. Brian and I collaborated on one thing. You could call it that. We'll we'll call it that. <laughs> call it that. Steve, my, now, and, my and, name like the mouthpiece. My name's there. Yes. <laughs> Joey's <laughs> isn't. <laughs> uh, Scott Scott commissioned something for us. You commissioned something for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. And Eric Morales wrote something for us. And, and Kevin McKee wrote something for us. Yeah, the McKee is uh, existed first as brass quintet, I think, right? And right. And then but brought it over adapted. to a trumpet ensemble. Yeah. So all brand yeah. new stuff. And some of these are already out, and other people are playing. Like I know Vuelta. Uh, we've heard that's already been at NTC. Yeah. So right. People are already playing that. But all new stuff, all cool stuff, and I know quite self-serving. It's good. It's available. It's and available, it's good, and it's really good. And so are the arrangements. Quite yeah. honestly, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep what checking in there. What you might notice if you look at the the booklet is uh, the publisher for some of these uh, is the World Trumpet Federation. That's we are right. putting this stuff out, branching out corporate, yeah. you know, corporately. And Very thanks slowly. to executive producer Ben Belasco, right? Executive Absolutely, producer. Ben. Dr. Blasco, friend well, of the podcast. Absolutely. Executive producer, host, because, of course, That's the record right. was recorded in Nashville. That's right. We recorded at Ben's school. He put up with us for a week. Including sweep the stage when we were done. <laughs> he was amazing. Ben did it all. Yeah. He's the man. And did the pre-edits. He and I did right. pre-edits together. Yeah. There, so. But, it, yeah, I, I, let's get that stuff out there. It is uh, the non-articulation agreement, one of uh, Bill's charts. It's our title chart there. Love it's the good. title of this project. Uh, it's it's <laughs> of course good. You do. <laughs> you should go. You should go buy this CD. It's it's worth it. I think you'll dig it. I I didn't know you'd put that in. We should talk I more didn't. before we That's record. But we should. But no, it's yeah. okay because we it was a, it, this was good because we got to get in a little bit of detail about about the stuff. I remember when I was you know first on the group and we weren't doing stuff that we had written and now, right? I mean, yeah, not now, a lot of about it anyway. half of this. About half of yeah. this is what we wrote. We're moving toward all of our own stuff. Yeah, which is very well, cool. And and you're writing original compositions, though, too, Bill. Right, yeah. yeah. By the time we get to that Christmas CD. Oh, a Christmas that CD. That is a great idea. You're welcome. Man, I've been did you keep, just think of that? Keeping it to wow. myself. I thought I'd drop it here on the wow, podcast. Wow, great yeah. idea. Yeah, thank you. A Christmas Thanks a lot. CD. We should tell JC. Yeah, because... Yeah, he'll be very surprised. Yeah, that we're discussing. This. Can't believe he never thought of that. He won't hear he it on the podcast. He should have thought of it. No, he really he won't hear it on here. <laughs> oh, no, he won't hear it on here. <laughs> He's too busy uploading nine thousand videos oh for the gosh. ITG conference. Once the conference is over, I think JC's going to collapse for about a week, and then he'll yes. wake up and be like, "What happened? <laughs> what has happened what, this week? What happened to me?" <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he deserves it though. He needs a week. He needs a vacation. Well, we all yeah, need a vacation for sure. But that's that's what I had for today. Uh, so, Bill, what do you got for us? Well, uh, you know, I was at NTC this past weekend. We oh, that's right. Oh, the live did finals. the live finals, which was oh my goodness, incredible to be around these unbelievable players uh, in the junior, the high school, undergrad, and graduate division, and the new military excerpt division. I mean, crazy good playing across the board. Um, performances were incredible. Finals judges, Vince DiMartino, Amy McCabe, and Stanford Thompson. Nice. Uh, Stan nice over, panel. Yeah, Stan Great oversees. Panel. He's the CEO for Play on Philly, the El Sistema group uh, mm -hmm. in Philadelphia, and was, of course, a trumpet player at Curtis. Great trumpeter in his own right. Uh, but that's not what I wanted to bring up. Uh, what I want to bring up is that I was sitting down with Ryan Gardner, visiting with him a little bit, and we had this, we were talking about the gigs that we've had recently. And of course, there haven't been many. So I got to talk to, with Ryan about my gig with the Altoona Symphony, yeah, right, which is exciting. And, um, and we both had this shared experience, which I wanted to bring up because we realized that for each of us, uh, like this gig for me and another gig that he had done at some, at some point in the past was the first time that I had played third on Bugler's Holiday. Oh, wow. Sure. And both had this moment. And after we sat and laughed about it, I thought, I really have to tell this on the show. And I'm going to throw myself under the bus here. But it's it's going to be OK because it's a great story. We both had that moment where we went, hey, something's missing there. Oh, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> because if you play first, you if, wait. You ain't, if you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. If you play first, you wait. Yeah third place second comes in you're the top sure. of the pyramid no yeah. problem i think i may have played second on this once <laughs> even then you get warning right yep. but instead of ba -ba -da -da, it was more like ba -da. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> great oh crap wow someone didn't come in oh that's me yeah so that's fantastic yeah so ryan and i had a really really good laugh about that that whole thing i'd kind of forgotten about it when we talked about it before or i was just secretly keeping it from you guys but nonetheless you can't keep that kind of stuff from us i know have you had to play you've probably never had to play third on bugler's holiday i don't know that i have yeah yeah i'm i'm pretty sure i have at least once yeah I so think I did. I played right, so in this brass band in New York, and we did, we did it at least once. And I was playing third on the front row, so I think. So I you're played. saying there's a recording of Bugler's Holiday where you can't hear trumpet one and two. No, well, of course not. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so when we get together for the WTF retreat, yes, we can do this. I'll play third. There we have it. <laughs> oh, and we then you will to. have done it. Yeah, there it is. There it is. I'll, Let's I'll do that. Yeah. yeah, I'll get Elliot a piano part, and we will record it. Can we do it? Oh. I just had a really good idea. <laughs> Have you guys seen that video? We've seen, we've all seen that video of the the third movement of the Hummel as a polka, right? And the yes. with the guys. Yeah. Can't we do Bugler's Holiday as a polka? I think we can. <laughs> oh, I think we should. Yeah. yeah, I think we should too. Joey, get all going. Right. Hold on. <laughs> write, let me write this down before I forget. I might be able to arrange that before. How then. could you possibly forget that? <laughs> I've played an arrangement of it for four trumpets where the fourth trumpet part covered like all the piano stuff or all right. the band stuff. Right. Okay, that's funny. All the runs. All the runs. It's great. Bugler's Holiday is a polka. For three I trumpets. I love this idea. Or but cornets. We, we might, I may be able to do this for six. Then we could, we could record it. Why wouldn't you? Then the three of us could play down the, 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 the three, the polka band. Right, and then and then the three soloists. We could do it each. Three trumpets Perfect. and three bass trumpets. I think is what how you should arrange it. 
Uh, you guys don't play bass trumpet? <laughs> Might be a problem. <laughs> no problem. Bill's got pet. No, he doesn't have pedals. Oh, <laughs> oh, shots fired. I got double pedals. <laughs> you do have double pedals. You can play those. <laughs> I'm so excited to send you guys the recordings. <laughs> He's playing bottom up. <laughs> I'm like, I just can't get there. Yeah, as you've heard before. <laughs> hey, that explains a lot of what you're playing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that explains everything. <laughs> Oh, oh anyway, well, listen, all this, uh, you know, all these recollections I had about uh, Bugler's Holiday uh, inspired me. And so, gentlemen, it's time for Backboard Bingo, oh, the no. Leroy Anderson edition. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm scared. You should be, because as, even as good as you are with dates, there's no possible way that you can get some of this. Oh, are man. you ready? No. Back where bingo. <laughs> Brian, are you ready? Heck no. Okay, neither of us are ready. Go <laughs> no <for> shot. It. <laughs> so it's time to start. Yes. Yeah, Back where bingo, the Leroy Anderson edition. Question one. In what year was oh, Leroy no. Anderson's Bugler's Holiday premiered? Now, get, it is multiple choice. Oh, it is multiple, multiple choice. choice. A- 1945 b hmm. 1954 c 1960 or d 1970 all right brian do you have any thoughts about this because i think 45 is right out it seems like as world war ii is ending seems like that's not when that's happening <laughs> a little too happy for the moment i, th I think so i want to rule out 45 what do you think uh, yeah i could i could rule that one out i <clears throat> what i wrote down was 1956 was the first thing i wrote down so i'm gonna i would so go interesting. with Interesting. Yeah, I would go with fifty-four. I th I thought he I thought he wrote earlier than the seventies. If you round it up, it would be nineteen sixty. <laughs> it's true. See, now he's trying to get us off of fifty. No, I'm not gonna. Yeah. Uh, those are yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I I I'm leaning fifty-four or sixty. I think seventy seems late. I don't know why, but. All right, call so the question. Bill, what do you Bill, say? Bill was there, so he unbelievable. <laughs> He owns the manuscript. He went. <laughs> what? So you're going 54? I played the premiere. He was the, he was the copyist. <laughs> yes. He played second on the premiere. That's why I couldn't get the third part I together. I can't get the third part right. You're going to go 54 then? I would go 54. All right, then I'll go 60. We'll take the middle. And Brian would win. Oh! Look at that. On the Nicely nose. done. Good job. He had it dialed in with 56. That's Sick. pretty good. Wow, good first instinct. Wow, that's impressive. Wow. All right. Backward Bingo, Leroy Anderson edition. Question two. In what year did oh, no. Leroy Anderson die? What? Yeah. In what year did he die? <laughs> A, the same year Bill was born. B, the same year <laughs> Bill was in sixth grade. C, the same year Bill graduated oh, from no. high school. Or D, the same year Bill graduated from college. Okay, hold on a second. So we got to figure those years out? Because I'm going to make a guess. Okay, say those again. Really? Do you want to do that? Or I can actually give you the numbers. I'm just messing with you. No, no, no. I want you to stay this because I want to get this one. He wants, a. he's going to dial this right in. Watch I'm this. Going, I'm going for this. Hey, everybody should get out their piece of paper right now so they can follow okay. along. Follow along. Follow the bouncing ball. Okay. That's Mitch Miller, not Lee Anderson. A, the same year Bill was born. Born. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's 1902. Okay. 1850. So that's right out. I'm going to make out. you put my birthday in the 1900s where it belongs. B, the same year Bill was in sixth grade. Sixth grade. Okay. 
C, the same year Bill graduated from high school. High school, that's... Okay. Okay. Yep. And D, the same year Bill graduated from college. Okay. So born can't be born because he had to still be writing then, right? That was, I mean, Bugler's Holiday was in the, in the 60s, right? The 50s. Well, and, and Bill's 54. in the 30s. So, okay, that's right. <laughs> unless unless, that's right unless it was his magnum and, opus. And college. <laughs> so Bill's older than all of us, but that still puts him, that's not going to be it. It's got to be. And you said, it's got to be sixth grade. It has to be sixth grade. Brian? I wrote down, I circled college. I wrote them down. I circled when you graduated from college. Well, I was in sixth grade. Wow. It was 1975. Yes. Joey, nicely done. Joey, killing it. Wow, that's you very impressive. You were in sixth grade in 1975. That <clears throat> would be right. Yeah, I was. I don't think so. Question three. While serving his country in the United States Army, Leroy Anderson's job was? Oh, my God. Seriously? A, a, yes. <laughs> It's multiple know, choice. I, I didn't know he was in the army. He was in the army. <laughs> totally in the army. A, musician, conductor. Wait a minute. That can't be right. Those are different. Yeah, which things. one? <laughs> a, musician. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> Oof. I got okay. both of you with that one. B, I had written it down to say that. Uh, B, translator. C, jeep mechanic. <laughs> D, cook. All right, so, okay, Jeep mechanic seems really specific, and I think it would have been mechanic, not Jeep mechanic. So I'm throwing that out. Because <laughs> wow. it's not Jeep mechanic, it would be mechanic. Mm -hmm. Musician seems way too obvious, so it's not that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's either cook or translator. So here's the question. Mm -hmm. He's a bright guy, and I will tell you this. I know where I was you're in, going. When yeah. I was in basic training, you had uh, uh, before you go in, when I went in, you had to take the Armed Services Vocational Aptitude Battery, the ASVABs, which is like a really easy <laughs> SAT test. And half in the middle of basic, they just pulled me out one day with a bunch of other guys, said, fall in, go over here. And I thought, oh, crap, what did I do? What did I do? What did I do? <laughs> and we went in there, and we had to take this test that was obviously a language assessment test because the Army was always looking for people to do languages. And so they spent the afternoon trying to talk me. I, I ended up passing this test. They, you know, judge me. They go right there, and the people who don't pass it, they send, send back, and everybody else they keep there. And they spent the afternoon trying to talk me into changing my my job in the army to go be a, a language specialist. Wow. Mm. And and I'm like, no thanks. You're gonna be playing trumpet. You're gonna be standing on a tarmac waiting for a general to come out in the freezing rain to play him. Oh, you don't want to do that. We're gonna send you off to language school. It's out in San Francisco. You'll have your pick of any place in the world. It's gonna be all, so much better. And I couldn't tell him. I'm going to go play in a jazz band and I'm going to be your rank in like three months. No, I couldn't tell them any of that. <laughs> say that. <laughs> you know. So here's the thing. I think musicians, often dealing with this, they have a better idea for languages. I'm going translator. Okay. I would definitely go translator, but mine's a much more simplistic explanation. That is, he was at the typewriter all the time and he wrote the the tune with it. So oh, wrote the, that's wrote why. the typewriter tune? But that's all in English. Yes, but I think he that sound, he was constantly doing that, and that sound lived with him. He was like, I'm going to write something for this. Well, no matter how you get there, you're both right. There it is. There it yeah, is. Uh, he was in counterintelligence, actually, and was fluent in several languages. Wow. Ooh. Like JC. Yeah. yeah. 
No. Yeah, Jay Z is often counter to intelligence. That's right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> JC is fluid in several languages. So far, okay. we're nailing this. You guys you're are all over this. I, I missed the first you're, one. I went yeah. away from you, though. Your Leroy Anderson knowledge is impressive. It is. Okay. <laughs> we're Question totally four. <laughs> wag. A total wag. <laughs> a total wag. Question four. Uh, manuscripts of unpublished works from Leroy Anderson's home included a version of Bueller's Holiday for cornets. It's true <laughs> <Sure> or false. <laughs> it's working. This is the lie. It's, it's three <laughs> questions and a lie. And a lie. <laughs> it's it's working title appeared to be a a conical cruise. <laughs> B the shepherd's ship out. C a busker's bon voyage. D cornet consolations. E none of the above. Okay, so there, there, there's two ways to go at this. One, to give the funniest answer, which I believe to be Conical Cruise, by the way. That's awesome. That's fantastic. Not all cornets had a shepherd's crook, so it's not shepherd ship out because you couldn't guarantee you'd have a shepherd's crook oh, person. Right. There you right. go. And then th when you say uh, consolation, that seems like a, a prize you get for losing, so that's not going to be it. Mm. Well, so, this is cornet. And then buskers, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, that, that's not necessarily a cornet player. That's just somebody who is out, you know, trying to play for money. Right. It, it would have to be none of the above because this is a total garbage question <laughs> that I love, by the way. Brian? It's fantastic. Oh, it's none of the above. But a lot of people yeah. don't know holidays <laughs> is the same thing as a cruise. That's great. I love it. Yeah, I totally made it up. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. Okay. Question five. Back to the uh -oh. real stuff. Oh, no. What uh -oh. musical group played the premiere of Leroy Anderson's Sleigh Ride in 1948? Well, you got the year. A, the New York Philharmonic. B, the Harvard University Orchestra. C, the Boston Pops. D, the United States Army Band Pershing Zone. I think the Boston Pops is a red herring. Yeah, you think it's too obvious? I think it's too obvious. Now, I, I do think it was for orchestra, so I think we can throw out the, the army band too, right? Wasn't the original for orchestra? Yes. Hmm. I don't actually know. I think that's true. I think Look, that's I'll, right. I'm going to ask the questions right. here, okay? I'm not going to answer. It's <laughs> the way this works. It's bingo. <laughs> 1948? Yeah, 1948. Wow. All right, so I don't think it was New York is the thing. So I think we're down to Harvard or Boston Pops at that point. Did he have an association with Harvard? Did he go to Harvard? Do we know this? Same town. Again, I'll ask the questions. Sa here. Same town. <laughs> you could do it. Yeah, you could do it for Harvard. You could. Yeah, I think that makes a strong case. Or is it just the obvious? Are we just ignoring the obvious? <laughs> You're not very good at that normally. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, I'm going obvious. I'm going Boston Pops. I'm going Harvard. Okay, Joey is literally right. It's the Boston Pops. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> it was too easy. Wow. Don't ignore the obvious. <laughs> right. We talked ourselves all the way around the absolute easiest like, question. Yes. I've done it too. I did it too. Two truths and a lie. I talked myself right out of it. Yeah. 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 All right. Question six, not multiple choice. It's uh -oh. a three, but I need a three part answer. Three parts? Three yeah, parts. This just got really hard. 
The year was 1949. It was the premiere of the two-and-a-half-minute masterpiece, The Trumpeter's Lullaby, written by none other than Leroy Anderson. What group premiered the piece, who was conducting, and who was the soloist on the premiere? This is just good trumpet knowledge. Holy crap. <laughs> Shame. Shameful. Uh, what uh... group premiered the piece, who was conducting, and who was the soloist? Wow. Um, I'd like to start. I'd like to with, buy a uh, vowel. With the, I don't know the answer to any of these. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, okay. I wrote down what you said here. So, 1949. You said 1949. 1949. The okay. premiere of the two and a half minute masterpiece. Let's go. Let's go obvious. Okay. I think I have I think I have an answer here. All okay. Right. Brian, do you want to go first or do you want to follow here? Well, I don't know the conductor, but I'm going to I have two guesses for the for the player and the and the orchestra. I think I've got this. I think okay. I've got it nailed down. All right. I think you I'm should. ready to go. You got it. You got it locked and loaded. I if we're going to go obvious, we're going to say Boston Pops, mm -hmm. which means Arthur Fiedler. Oh, Fiedler. That's right. Right? Which means Boston Voisin. Voisin, yeah. Nails. Right. Is yeah, that right? Perfect. Nails. There it is. Killed it. Don't couldn't come up with Fiedler. You couldn't come up with Fiedler? No. Couldn't come well, up with Fiedler. I, the He's question, the only well Boston Pops. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. The question right before well this told you that they premiered Sleigh Ride in 48. Exactly. Yeah. So this is the next year. Yeah. Right. That's great. So well that done. means it's got to be, it has to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well done. There yeah. it is. See, you know your Leroy Anderson trivia better than you thought you did. Totally guessing all the way through. That's pretty <laughs> that's pretty impressive actually. <laughs> is this well, the first week we haven't totally folded? Yeah. You guys are getting Might better. Might be. Yeah. Just wow. in time for a break. Yeah. Um I say we program Conical Cruise on the next Trombomundi CD. <laughs> Done and I've done. Come up with that. Are you writing that? I think I have to get after that. <laughs> I'll tell you at all. I'll write the polka. <laughs> I'm going to write a six-part uh, polka of trumpeters, uh, buglers. And I'll write the conical cruise, and, and we'll play it on our, our colored picket mouthpieces. There it is. <laughs> Great. Reticent Absolutely. red. Wait, is that what it was? Yeah. All right. Time for a couple of things. So sometimes we refer to them as our trumpet heroes, and other times we find that we always mention them when it comes to talking about inspiration in our lives. In any case, each of us has been influenced by great musicians along the way. And today on The Open Bell, we're going to take the time to talk about professionals we admire and maybe even why. Brian, you want to get us and started? Is right. this, this the professionals who have passed away, right? Yeah, we made a couple of rules that made, we yeah, said. Yeah, a couple of rules. We, decided, we talked living or dead, active or not active, and we decided that we were going to go with trumpet trumpet players that have passed away, or people we admire that have passed away right. that we did not study with. We took our own teachers out of this. Right. Right? Right, because so we talk those about are the them rules. a lot. Those, right. those are the rules going in. Right. All right, so that was where all we started. All right, so the, my first one is David Baldwin, the former professor at Minnesota. No, you guys, he's not dead. He's not, he's not dead. dead. You're already <laughs> breaking the kidding. rules. He's just, he's just, should be. He's, he's super old. He's almost wow. as good as Bill. I'm kidding, David. <laughs> I'm kidding, David. 
Yeah, Joe, you may need to edit this. <laughs> yeah, he's not as old. He's not even as old as Bill is. He's fine. And he he was a great player. I actually I love his CDs and uh, those recordings of the. Um, at the time, they were really the only recordings we could get of the the Charlier and yeah. uh, all the Arban stuff. That was really cool. Uh, sorry, David. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't even know who I am. I did stand next to him he's at an a, ITG he's conference. About to. <laughs> yeah, still no now. <laughs> There's another famous trumpet player who I kind of panned one time, um, and uh, I met them years later. I met the. I actually did a review, and and I I will, I said some great things about their playing and then some not so great things about their playing and then i met them later and they looked at me and they had this strange like the name i could see the name registered they they didn't they didn't put it together and they were totally nice about it if they had put it together so really incredible player who i who i admire okay so um so my first one um is uh is somebody i think is actually underrated um as a player and as a musician um and is held in incredibly high regard as a player and as a musician. But I think um, he's underrated. And that's Maynard Ferguson. Um, and the reason I think he's underrated is because I don't think people give him enough credit for the kind of depth of sound he had. Um, they give him credit for being able to play all these high notes and be able to do these really high-powered shows and do these sort of gymnastics in the upper register. But his sound throughout the register, I think was stunning um and then i don't think that people give him enough credit for um being incredibly musical and then i mean joey you were on the road with him but um you know talking with denny de blasio who who was on the road who mm -hmm. wrote for him for for nine years and by um, the way does the and this is a this is quite a compliment here <laughs> he does the best impression and everybody who's ever been on the band does an impression but Denny is a whole nother level. Yeah. Denny does it is like Sounds wow. Am I'm talking to Maynard more right like now. Maynard than Maynard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and he talks about how invested he was every night, how much energy he brought every single night, um, every single time. And then the last reason is, um, and then the, the, just the sheer emotion about about how he laid it out there like all the time. And then the last thing is. People don't, I think, get him, give him credit for being a soloist, like being able to blow changes. Right. Um, and I just don't think people give him enough credit. And, you know, I mean, I've never been able to approach anything like the kinds of sounds he makes. Um, but I've always admired how intense it was and how musical it was. Um, and then I, I saw him for the first time when I was here at Rowan. Denny took me to a concert. Um, and it was just at a local high school. And it was just staggering what he was playing. Um, and then we got to meet him afterwards. And he's so gracious and nice. And he's been doing this. He had been doing it for forever. And doing that for you know, probably trumpet players for all over the world all the time. And he was still totally engaged. And um, I just find that kind of longevity and investment and energy for so long just to be fantastic. Yeah, it was. I knew that uh, there was a chance he might end up on all three lists. Oh, yeah. Um, but I so I I went in another direction. But everybody has that Maynard story, right? Like my parents picked me up at a region band and took me to the concert, got me <laughs> tickets to go yeah. hear him at Grove City College. You know, mm -hmm. that was the year the MF tour with the black T-shirts, which I should probably still have somewhere. But then later when I was teaching school, we had him in and I asked him to sign my Schlossberg book, which has his autograph on it. And I handed it to him and he says, don't worry, I can't blame either. <laughs> uh, that's great. I, I can't. I actually went out of my way on my list to make sure I would pick people 
that neither of you would pick uh, because I think there's some really overarching obvious people. I know we just talked about not ignoring the obvious, but uh, (laughs) we shouldn't ignore the obvious and we shouldn't ignore Maynard. And you're exactly right in everything you just said. Maynard gets thought of as, oh, sure, high note guy. And that's true. Maynard did play a lot of high notes and played them as well as, if not better than anybody else. But that discounts the, yeah. the music. It discounts the sound. It discounts the energy. It discounts what he brought, you know, for decades and decades and decades as a jazz player. Because also when, they, when people make lists and they're like, well, we talk about lead players. And they always throw Maynard on there because he plays high notes. <coughs> Maynard never really was a lead player. You right. know, even when he was on right. uh, when he was on Charlie Barnett's band, he was a soloist. When he was on Kenton's band, he was a soloist down at the end of the section. Like, you know, back then, lead playing was really about, you know, playing the lead part, which you might go up to about high G or so. And if it went any higher than that, you had somebody else that would take care of that. Yeah. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. and then Maynard would be that guy and also featured on solos. But the energy he brings and the music he brings and the changes and soloist stuff that he brings... Uh, was truly just remarkable on every single level. So y- yeah, you're exactly right. As as well thought of as he is, there are so many people that are like, oh yeah, sure for high notes, whatever. Yeah, and you're right. That that part is just discounted, and it's it is a shame because there's so much there that and and it was amazing to listen to. If you have not checked out the Stan Kenton. Uh, track prologue or this is an orchestra oh my god <laughs> when he goes around and introduces wrote the chart to introduce everyone in the band and he describes maynard like he says you know sometimes there's a musician that that plays with such fire right like that was it and of yeah. course maynard just annihilates everything on that it was just yeah. amazing playing yeah the energy it's fantastic is, yeah and the and but the 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 scope of music he covered well, you will be able to find something you like, which also means you can probably find some stuff and go, <clears throat> maybe that's not my favorite chart or style of yeah. stuff. And there, and then people can look at that and, and then just discount based on, yeah, but he recorded X. Yeah, but he also recorded all of this other stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, Crazy you know, it's, stuff, it's, really, yeah. it's really remarkable. Yeah. Yeah, that makes yeah. up for Primal Scream. All that, <laughs> right. But cool record cover, nonetheless. Right? No, it's a great yeah. record cover. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that was a good start, Brian. That's a great start. Joey, yeah. what do you have? Well, I, like I said, I ignored the obvious, but not completely. Uh, I, I decided to go with, because uh, I think it would be it, it would be too easy to go to the people that I know are on nearly everybody's trumpet, uh, Mount Rushmore. So I'm going the other way, ex- ex- except for this. I couldn't leave Snooky Young off the list. Oh, fantastic. So, so, right. I, I, and for those of you who don't know, I think Snooky Young is very easily like, oh, sure, the guy who played lead with Basie in, in the 60s. And, and that part is true. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, yep. uh, he's somebody that I think, like Brian was saying about Maynard, is well regarded. But I think we might be underrating Snooky Young because yes. what Snooky Young did, and I don't, and again, I never got to meet him. I'll tell you this one story. Uh, that is, shows you how dumb I can be. Uh, I, I talked with Clay Jenkins. Uh, Clay's the jazz trumpet teacher up at Eastman. We did a, a we did Birch Creek one year. We were there together, and he had just come back from a Japan tour with the Clayton Hamilton Jazz Orchestra, and and he was showing me pictures. And I didn't realize at the time that Snooky was playing was still playing with the band. Wow! And I said, I, I'm sorry. Is that is that Snooky Young next to you? And he goes, <laughs> Oh yeah, Snooky plays in the band. And I said, How's he doing? He says, Oh, he's doing great. You know, he said, you know, he might take like one lead chart, but he'll take like some solos, you know, 
kind of he knows what he's doing. He's smart about the whole thing. And I said, okay, all right, let me ask you a question, Clay. So I'm going to call Snooky on the phone, and I'm going to drop your name saying I'm best friends with Clay, and he gave me your number, and I want to fly out and, like, take you to a long lunch and talk shop. Like, can we do that? What would that be like? Like, what would his response be? And Clay looked at me and said, oh, I think he'd be embarrassed that you even asked. And I said to Clay, <laughs> doesn't he know who he is? <laughs> 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 because what Snooky did, and, and, and you got to think about the history of lead trumpet playing uh, in the largest sense, which is when jazz first started, it was just a collection of, of musicians. There was no set, this is a band. Like, oh, small groups can be five or six people or trios, but big bands will be 16. And it's good. that wasn't a thing when this got started. As it was evolving, it sort of coalesced into these sorts of things and got a little bit bigger and turned into a, a big band like we know it. But even that took a while. So the idea that, well, we need a lead trumpet player. Well, there's no such thing as a lead trumpet player. <laughs> it was as these things got written, well, who's going to play that part? So everybody was really a soloist. And yeah. then you had to put these things together. So <laughs> Snooky grew up as a jazz soloist. But he played the trumpet phenomenally well. Mm -hmm. And he had great chops and great control. So he really did, in the best sense, invent or helped invent what we think of as lead trumpet playing today. Yeah. We need somebody who's in the back of the band holding down that, holding down that chair that's going to set the style and the sound and the time and the feel and the groove. That's all coming from the horns from the lead trumpet chair. And he did this. He was on Jimmy Lunsford's band. He was on, uh, you know, Basie's band. He played on the Thad Mel band. Uh, you know, and he was on the Tonight Show band for a long time. Uh, you know, he was he did all of this stuff. And he's also a great jazz player. You know, that's the other part of this, where so many lead players grew up talking about what a great what a great model Snooky is that can't play changes. And I'm like, <laughs> right, you're right about that. Then why are you ignoring? And as a young man, I was one of these people. Like, yeah. I know there's this hole in my playing. I got to go plug this hole. You right. know, like I, I'm ignoring possibly the most important part of this, which is I got to be playing the right style all the time. I like and that it. comes from being a soloist. And Snooky did that and did it forever. This right. guy was playing, I mean, up until he passed away into his yeah. 90s. He was still practicing and playing, which is another thing I just deeply love. So I'm going to ask you this question, although I think I know the answer. I think you use the same thing I do. If you talk to someone who doesn't know Snooky Young and you say, all right, check this out, you dial up on YouTube, what is it? It ain't what you do. It ain't what you do. <laughs> Which I believe to be his With 60th birthday. On the Tonight Show band. Yeah. One-handed, double B-flat. Yeah, but he, he, he plays the melody. <laughs> Like, yeah, and then he and sings. Yeah, and he sings. And then he yeah. blows over the top of the band with a plunger mute, and then pastes a double B flat on the end. <laughs> yes, on live TV <laughs> at sixty years old it's on insane. his birthday. Yeah, it's oh. absolutely yeah. insane. No, it's fantastic. Phenomenal. Yeah, Snooky's on Mount Rushmore. That's I a, love yeah. it. Yeah, that's a great choice. Yeah. All right, Bill, give us your give us your first one here. Well, I'm going uh, school here, as Joey would call it. I'm going old school. So. My <laughs> my teacher Bill, school for Bill <laughs> school for me. Uh, my teacher, you know, the little town I grew up. My I was influenced by recordings that my dad played, but I didn't know about Maynard until until George Monaco played Maynard for me, and so that was really impressive. And then but then I got to college and I figured out who Maurice Andre was. Mm -hmm. So Maurice is on my list, and I think back to like that was the first real influence when I was totally like seriously studying and digging in, and the piccolo playing was to me sounded like like another planet right yeah. i had never 
heard or experienced anything like that. Uh, and in fact, I one of my piccolos is a Selmer Paris that is right. Cause <laughs> that's, too. that's the sound. That's the sound. Sure. Um, so, but in addition to all the pick stuff, I re recall this recording that I heard of the Planel concerto, a piece that's not played very often, but really hard. Mm -hmm. And he just makes it sound, it's so effortless and elegant. Um, I think the real reason is I kind of, the whole Maurice Andre story, right? Small town guy, right? Mining family, blue collar, first musician, maybe all that kind of stuff. I don't know. I just kind of related to the fact that he just did this, right? Like he found this thing that he was going to do. And even though it wasn't like anything else that anyone in his family was doing, he did this thing and became this incredible artist. So Maurice for me is... Right. There's right there's there. one. I, like I said, I went out of my way to not pick Maynard and Maurice because I knew they would show up on your list. Right. Right? <laughs> but but it's it's true Like Maurice taught every one of our generation how to play piccolo trumpet mm -hmm. because it, the only recordings really available to us were his. And there were lots of them. And yeah. they were and really all good. of them. Elegant is exactly the right word. You mm. listen to him play and go, oh, OK, well, that sounds easy enough. <laughs> then you start and then playing, you going. Order hold the on music a second. And look at it and go. Wait. <laughs> I start playing, going. Hold on a second. Let me listen to that recording again. No, no, it definitely sounds really easy. And I start playing again, huh? But you know the 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 beauty, the elegance, the musicianship, and, and just the the output. Talk about somebody who just kept putting out stuff over and over. You know, records and and album after album after album of just gorgeous music. Wow, and the, I mean, and the touring, right? So every everywhere he showed up, everybody went to hear it. Everybody was in shock after they heard it. Was wow, just like the recording. I mean, just outrageous. Yeah, this is where YouTube comes in handy because you know anybody growing up today obviously didn't get to see him live. Oh, yeah. I actually never got to see him live. I was never in the right place at the right time. Uh, but you can watch these videos and go, huh? Doesn't look like he's doing anything at all. Mm. Sounds sounds amazing. You know, it's yeah. really un unbelievable. Yes. Saw him do Hummel with the DSO. And it was just spectacular. I mean, yeah. just beautiful and light and singing and spotless. <laughs> well, and that's the other part. He, uh, he's uh, much like Maynard gets sort of, oh, he's a high note guy. Maurice gets, oh, oh, he's the piccolo guy. Because, well, frankly, that's most of the records he put out. Yeah. But there are lots of, uh, of standard non-piccolo rep that he has recorded and sounds gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. There's so a tremendous ones? recording of him doing Tomasi. It's amazing. Yeah. Which one of the two of them played the trumpet better? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> There's the no answer to that <laughs> question. The bracket begins. <laughs> We're, we are going to answer that question this summer because <laughs> there is no answer. So we will, of course, answer we'll make it. it. <laughs> yeah, Godzilla versus King Kong. <laughs> Love it. All right. Yeah. Brian, Excellent. back to That's the back around to you. Ready for, ready for number two from Brian. Yeah. Okay. So um, this is the Wayback Machine. Um, way, way back. Or as Bill um, calls it, back. <laughs> Just back. I call it current <laughs> events. <laughs> yeah. And this is um, Anton Weidinger. Holy crap. Okay, wait a minute. You didn't even know who that was until I told you. So, <laughs> so yes, Anton he Weidinger. can't be on so, your list. Yes, of course he can. I couldn't pull his name out of thin air six weeks ago. <laughs> I couldn't. My brain was on strike that night. So here's I'm the so reason, right? right now. So he was he was at the, <laughs> he was there in the room when the Haydn was written and when the Hummel was written because he was the hip cat in town, right? He was the dude in Vienna 
playing first in the orchestra and also trying to figure out like, wait, there are these valve things that might come up eventually. I want to play chromatics. And so can we put some keys on this bugle? And he worked with the maker, right? And and then, um, develop, you know, he was he was drinking buddies with Haydn, right? They he was uh, he was a witness at Haydn's wedding, or what? Haydn was. This yeah. is why Brian's a fan. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, they're drinking buddies. <laughs> um, and he said it's the last concerto Haydn wrote. Um, and he said, uh, "Look, you should write. You should write me this piece." Haydn said, "What can you do with the with the instrument?" He showed it off. Um, and then when Hummel was touring. Right. He was he went up to him and he said, hey, like I, I got this trumpet. Yeah, I do this thing in the orchestra for my job, but um, I have this instrument. It was it was a different instrument. Right. It was an E. It was no longer an E flat. Um, and he said, what can you do? And he said, well, I could do this little trick, but I can do it a lot longer now. <laughs> right. So you get that last page of the Hummel. And um, I just think he was probably incredibly inquisitive and industrious and smart and incredibly hardworking and he could do all the stuff he had to do for his job but he was like there's got to be more that i can do and i just think maybe being around that guy and you know sort of somehow associating with him or watching him work would have been fascinating um and so i think you know when students find out about that information i i think it it means something to them in in when they perform those pieces so you're putting a guy on your list because he used to hang out with Exactly. Composers. How does that work? <laughs> I'm fascinated by that. You just gave him credit for hanging. You totally <laughs> yes, did. Totally. You, in fact, said you admire him for hanging. For, for hanging. <laughs> and having people. a beer. Yeah, totally. I want, you, I want you to think that over. <laughs> think that so do you think? So do you think that kind of revolution in playing is something that could happen again? Wow, that's a good question. Like, what would that look like if there was another revolution in trumpet performance? Well, I don't remember the guy's name um, who's doing that um, sort of microtonal um, piccolo solo. Indeterminate. Oh, Peter Evans? Peter, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that might be a, a, an attempt to push the, at least push the envelope. I'm not sure that's pushing the envelope of performance as much as it is uh, as just uh, a different musical path. Yeah. Because what the, the revolution you're talking about is we had to invent a new instrument. Well, this is this is true. Yeah, so are you you're thinking more like iwi. <laughs> right? I mean EV, EV well, was more of a electronic valve, electric wind yeah, instrument. The EV yeah. was the the trumpet version. Interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering about that, but that's not trumpet. It's not really hmm. a trumpet, but neither but was adding the, vowels the to the key, trumpet. Extending I'm it. sure they sat around and argued, you know, when they were yeah. hanging that the key <laughs> bugle also was not a trumpet. I wonder. I want to. Yeah. Right. Well, Bill, you were there. What, what, what was the word on the street? <laughs> I, can you, I can tell what you a little bit about, about? about the climate. Yeah. Yeah. About the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Weidinger. Wow. That's going way back. I did not go that far back. I did not see that coming. No, no. That's really good. Wow, Anton Weininger. <laughs> Again, you're welcome because you didn't even know who he was <laughs> until this podcast name happened. <laughs> he was on my written exams. <laughs> but that was a long time ago. Wow. <laughs> now you just pretend like you know who he is. Right, that's right. I did then, too. Big fan. <laughs> I think I got Huge. the letters after, <laughs> letters after my name. <laughs> and he's just throwing it around like, well, of course, then, you know, Hummel came through town on tour. Great tour, by the way. <laughs> And uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> he said, Johan, JN. What's Yo, <laughs> Nepamuk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Let's grab a beer. Let me tell you what the next piece you're going to write is. I'm thinking about something in E. E yeah. flat right. is so yesterday. Johan, stop talking. Here's what I need you to do. <laughs> <laughs> That would be better hey, if Joey tell, was there at the moment. Tell Vivaldi this could have been him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's beautiful. You nailed it. Oh there God. it is. <laughs> so inside baseball. Oh. All right, Joey. What do you got? All right. Like I said... Uh, I went Valentine out of my way. Snow. I didn't. <laughs> I thought about that just to mess with you. <laughs> but, I would have been so honored. But no. Uh, so I went with another person that maybe a lot of people haven't really heard of, but should have, which is Yuan Racy, right? Because oh so I yes, went, fantastic. I went, I went with lead player like Snooky, you know, kind of classic lead road lead trumpet player. But yeah. then I think I also one of the things I really like as well is recording. Like, I love to get recorded, go to the recording studio. I think of it as like a game. The game for me is this. I have no idea what I'm about to do. You're going to put something in front of me, and my job is to make that sound great and to do it quickly and, and, and really well. I don't know that there's anybody that's ever been better. There might be other people in this class than Yuan Racy. For those who don't know who, who Yuan Racy was, he was the first trumpet of the MGM Orchestra from the 40s through the 70s. So, you know, almost you know, nearly every movie made by MGM for he the better playing. part of, of, of three or four decades, he was playing. So most mm. famously, like Chinatown, American in Paris, uh, Singing in the Rain. By the way, I, I've done that one live. There's a big solo that, like, from low G up to, like, high Ds with some shakes on it and, some high, <laughs> and, and the solo thing. And I'm like, oh, that's you on Racy. Like, I remember mm. the first time I, had, uh, I was gonna hired to do the movie. So I just watched the movie and went, Oh, that's going to be fun. And, it, and <laughs> it was, and he sounds like a million bucks. He also plays on the Tom and Jerry cartoons, Bye Bye Birdie, Ben-Hur, you know, all of these just blockbusters, huge movies. But, uh, I mean, he was just, his essentially his job was to go into the studio and they throw a score down and say, here's what we're recording today. And did it as well as anybody's ever done it for a long time. And by all accounts was one of the guys when when new people came to town or when anybody had some problems they'd go check in with you on and he would oh here's what you got to be doing let me help you out also a giving teacher as well which of course mm. i i have a soft spot you know being a teacher like we yeah. all are yeah. but uh so again somebody i never got to meet i don't know him personally at all but boy when you look at that kind of that career you know as you can see i i, I believe i like the long-term career i also like the idea of giving back is there anybody that's done it like you on Racy? I don't think so. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So if you're going to point someone toward one recording. Brent Chinatown. There it is. That just defines it. Yeah. I think that's probably probably most well-known. There's some big trumpet stuff all the way through the soundtrack, and it's just stellar trumpet playing and great music. Mm. Yeah. Very and cool. Didn't... Um, uh, while my brain's on strike again. Anton Beininger? <laughs> this, is not, this is your Valentine Snow quote? Valentine Snow? Yeah. I'm done. I, yeah. I'll ask the question Are you later. talking about it like a tribute thing? Because Wayne on his last record did a Chinatown thing in tribute. Oh, wow. Like did an arrangement of like the Chinatown Didn't Wayne thing. study with him? He may have. I really I think don't he studied know. with him. But that would make sense. Like when he's coming into L.A., you know, Yuan's one of the old guys at that point. And Denny tells a story that 
that he went to study with him and they spent an hour trying to get him to play a pianissimo G on the staff. And he <laughs> said he was like sweating bullets um, and he just could not do it. And like, and Yuan said, if you can do figure out how to do this, it will change your trumpet playing. Uh-huh. I don't know that story, but yeah. yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, I have heard other, you know, other people saying, "Oh no, he's the guy." If you have anything, you know, any problems, anything to work out, you go see you on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very that's cool. W- that's my number two there. That's uh, got to be a new name I for a lot of folks. Probably so, and and it's a shame because one of those people that just was out in the studios in L.A. all the time, so it wasn't like out and about doing guest solo things or going mm-hmm. out and playing. So you just didn't know, even though everybody had heard him play because everybody goes to see movies. And yep. watch TV. Watch Tom and Jerry cartoons. You've heard you on Racing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. All right, wow. Bill, what do you got for us? Crazy. I'm going back. I'm old school West Coast. I got to go Harry James. Oh, right. yeah. And I so I come to the Harry James thing mostly because of my dad, as you know, because I've talked about that. And, of course, have the piece arranged that we just recorded, actually, that's on the, the non-articulation agreement. agreement. Right. Now, available. now available. Now uh, available. But, you know, he played trumpet stuff in the house all the time actually heard a lot of al hurt too but i love the harry james stuff and i I don't know like at my age and having the horn it was something i could identify with that and thought like this is really cool i mean like he likes this my dad likes this guy and he thinks it's cool and he's famous and maybe i don't know this trumpet thing you know so kind of go with that and then finally years later i said to my dad because my dad was not a musician so i was like why harry james like you listen to a lot of trumpet players but why is harry james your favorite and he said (laughs) Because he was married to Betty Grable. <laughs> I'm like, I play the trumpet. My entire career in life has been built around the fact, inspired by the fact that my dad liked Betty Grable. There are That's, worse reasons. There are much worse reasons. <laughs> That's true. Well done. That's great. <laughs> it's perfect, actually. But if you think about the image, right, and the tunes and the sound and how, like, linear and gorgeous the playing was i mean man well this is the interesting part of uh i think we've watched in in our lifetimes that there's there's always seems to be a division between what we think of as you know classical trumpet players and commercial trumpet players which when we were growing up were sort of like you know uh orchestral guys and like legit guys and jazz guys which is now more considered classical and commercial and there's always a line you know right but there's all there have always been trumpet players that sort of straddle that line. Yeah, of, of course. Well, is, is that a jazz player or are they are they really? And how would they? You know, you look right. at Rafael Mendez, right? Mm. Right. Al Hertz, an, another one, more of a jazz guy, but certainly somebody who is a soloist. But Harry James is one of these people. Harry James was essentially a pop trumpet player. Right. Yeah. Right. But his trumpet playing was stellar. Yeah. The technique he had, the chops he had, the music that he put out there, I mean, is just remarkable stuff. So, you know, this is your game, Joey. You're the one that introduced this game to us with the trumpet famous, like, right? Famous yeah. or trumpet <laughs> or famous. Trumpet famous. <laughs> That's right. But trumpet, see, Harry James. Trumpet well-known. Famous. Not trumpet was, famous. No. He was famous, famous famous. Like, people walking around who know nothing about trumpet, the trumpet world at all knew Harry James. No, Harry, that's right. Sure. Absolutely right. Yeah, so, and not yeah. just because he was married to Betty Graham. Well, though, <laughs> apparently that was important to some people. Yeah. Well, of course, how could it not be? <laughs> but a stunning and stellar trumpet player. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we did uh, Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White, our medley, mm-hmm. right? Cherry Pink and Apple Blossom White. Yep. Uh, you made me love you. You made me and, love you. Uh, oh, yeah. And trumpet blues and cantabile. Right. Yeah, that's on. Yeah. There. And if you want, uh, I know we talked books before. 
but is it called Trumpet Blues, the biography of Harry yes. James? Yes. That's, yeah. what, that's what the book's called, right? That's what it's called. That's yeah. a great book as well. You should check that out. <laughs> I know yeah. I had to only, I had lived in myself to only one biography, but that's, I had four more behind it, and that's on there. <laughs> that's it's on a, the list, It's a right? great one. Uh, wow. The, but it's open a great Book one. Club, Volume 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we expand, so, when we do the part two. But that's a yes. great one. Yeah. Harry James is awesome. Harry James goes on the list. All right, Brian. Round okay. three. All right, round three. So Big this finish. is somebody that y- you guys might not have heard of, might not know. Um, he is um, inspiring to me because he had um, a massive brain tumor, um, had a had a, had surgery, had um, part of his skull was actually indented, um, and he came back from it. He's a longtime principal trumpet of the of the Los, um, sorry the L- London Symphony. Um, he studied with Morris Murphy. He sat. He was the third person to sit on the corner chair at the Black Dyke Band as a principal cornetist, and then moved to the London. London, um, I think it's London Phil, not London Symphony. Right. Um, uh, sorry, it is the London London Symphony. Sorry, you're doing great. Apologies. Work. Yeah, I'm just totally Brian, nailing great, it. Great. Yeah. Um, and um, we're gonna get letters he, from England. Right. <laughs> right. Um, he also played with Brickhouse and Rastrick. He also played with um, Hammonds. Um, he's from Yorkshire. Uh, his name's Rod Franks. <clears throat> Excuse me, Rod Franks. He died in a car crash in 2014. Um, he was on a huge number of recordings. His one of his favorite recordings um, to tell people about, um, especially Americans, um, is uh, was Cutthroat Island. Um, it was it starred Gina Davis as a as a as this heroine, and he's there's tons of trumpet playing in it. He's he's featured prominently in it, and he said, "You guys don't know that it didn't do well in America because you guys don't appreciate heroines at all." <laughs> and he was telling this in a master class that I was I was in. <laughs> I was I was listening to that master class. Um, I did play for him um, one time uh, at the Barbican Center in in. Um, in London, um, and he was really super nice and um, very helpful as a as a teacher. So it doesn't, he doesn't he would not say that I was I was his student. I just played one lesson for him with him, um, and he was giving a master class at the Huddersfield Uni when I was there. And uh, uh, as he looked at me, like when he walked in, he looked at me. He's like uh, he couldn't place me, and I said that you know, from America I played. And um, he actually, when the LSO was in New York, I actually had him come down to Rutgers and do a master class. I went and picked him mm-hmm. up from his hotel and brought him down. And so he put it all together. Um, and he was he was great, amazing player. Um, he was on the later Star Wars stuff. So um, he joined the orchestra in, in 88. Um, he had this, he had this inc- um, uh, amazing sound and he was incredibly consistent. He was sort of universally liked by everyone in the orchestra because he was so nice and kind and um, sort of giving of his time and energy. Um, and he's just super great pl- player, um, great person. He was incredibly consistent as a player as well. When he did this master class at the Huddersfield Uni, um, to end the class, he brought out the four um, parts to the most recent. So it must have been the 1999 um uh, Star Wars m- film. He brought out the four trumpet parts, the manuscript of them. He nice. had brought him with, and he put them on the stands, and the students got to play with him from the manuscript parts. Mm, very um, cool. Yeah, he was super cool. He had played um, in Black Dyke when Peter Parks was the um, in '75 when Peter Parks was Peter Parker. <laughs> Not Peter Parker, the oh, major oh, Peter Parker. Um, oh. When they won all the, they won all the, all the, all the championships. With great cornet player year. comes great responsibility. That, yeah, yes, exactly. That's, <laughs> that's perfect. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, 
So he also, in that time, when after he had the surgery, he had Bell's palsy in his face 20 different times. Oh, and he wow. recovered from them and was still playing. So when I was over there, it was 2009-10, and he had recovered and was still playing. And then um, in 2014, he died in a car accident. Oh. So a really tragic story, but also a really inspiring story. Yeah. Um, he was right. really cool, uh, really nice, and just a stunning musician and player. Um, and that's what he did. He did the brass band thing. He did the orchestra thing. He taught at a couple of places, Guildhall School in London. He taught for Royal Northern um, in Manchester. Um, so Rod Franks, um, go ahead and look it up. Look yeah. him up and listen. go watch the movie um, Cutthroat Island starring Gina yeah, now, Davis. L- listen, about that movie, I mean, in our defense, <laughs> Gina Davis is no Betty Grable. Uh, <laughs> I may I have know. to argue with that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of Gina Davis. Have I'm you seen sure, A League of Their Own? I'm sure you are. <laughs> yes. yes. Go rent A League of Their Own. Yep, Go watch Tootsie. Yep, She's fantastic. No crying, no crying Gina, Davis, Gina Davis is a Let's, delight. I will well, not have anybody no, bad Gina, Gina Davis on this podcast. Is awesome. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah. Let's, we'll talk about Tootsie another time. Yeah. <laughs> couldn't Bill stay away. Murray. Could Bill not. Murray. Oh, you, haven't, you don't like the movie? No, couldn't stay that, away. you got to be kidding. Tootsie? What is wrong with you? I didn't think it was that good. Oh, Bill Murray is unbelievable. Bill Murray's great. Yeah. yeah. Gina Davis yeah. is great in this. Gina Davis is awesome. Oh, come on. All right. Yeah. We'll talk about that again. <laughs> we have to have our movie but club. But a, a League of Their Own, by the way, is uh, we've had this argument before. Mm. And we can argue all day long about sports I movies know. and about baseball movies. I think that's the best baseball movie ever made. It's not the best one. It it's is not great. the best one. It is. It is great. It's, but it's, it's, it's yeah. It is. I don't know that it's the best one. Right, it's way better another... than Major League. Shut yeah. up. Now we're talking. <laughs> it's way better than that. <laughs> Any, anything that tries to make Wesley Snipes look athletic doesn't it, work. It, and I'm a huge <laughs> fan of white men can't jump. Right. And, yes. and here's the thing. Wesley Snipes is not athletic. Yeah. End of story. Period. Here's full problem. stop. Right. You, you Brits don't appreciate a good baseball movie. That's <laughs> the problem. He wants a cricket movie. A cricket movie. Yeah. <laughs> A wicket of their own. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right, Joey, I think you're next. Oh, I am. All right. So speaking of heroines we don't appreciate, um, <laughs> my, my last one is Lori Frank. Now, she's the only one of my three oh, that I actually met. So uh, That's great. For those of you who don't know Lori, she passed away a few years ago. She, she passed away with cancer, which was way too soon. She wasn't – she should still be here and still be doing – but here's, here's a woman who – she played with the Benny Goodman band, played with Jerry Mulligan's band. She played on Bob Minzer's band, and then she was playing on Maria Schneider's band. And and aside from all of that, she was sort of, uh, she was Carmine Caruso's apprentice. She came and studied with Carmine. And a lot of people were saying, yeah, I know that stuff, and I teach it, and I teach it. But Carmine was saying, really, if you want to get my stuff, go talk to Lori. And mm-hmm. Lori really did take it and evolve it into her own thing. Yeah. So, uh, and she and John McNeil wrote a book called Flexus, which is really an amazing trumpet book you should go and get. But I, I did get to meet Lori just a couple of times. I didn't know her well or at all, but found her to be absolutely better than advertised at everything. And mm. I think she's another one of those people that sort of gets lost in the shuffle because all she was doing was doing what she did great for her whole life. And yep. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And maybe not the most flashy player, maybe not the most flashy teacher. But boy, there are there are a lot of people and well-known professionals that will quietly tell you, "Oh, without Lori Frank, my career would have ended," mm. and aren't exaggerating about the number of careers that she saved as a teacher. 
tremendously warm and giving of time and energy and support and super positive. Yeah. And demanding, super demanding. And demanding, right. (laughs) She was on the ITG board um, leading up to the time when I hosted in 09. So, Mm -hmm. Brian, you probably interacted with her there as well. Yep. So funny. Yeah. I mean, totally engaging personality. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I just saw her a couple of master classes here and there. Like I said, I didn't know her well, but found her to be like, I'm like, hold on. You played on Betty Goodman's band? I need to talk to you about that. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She tells some <laughs> stories. I was thinking, okay, hold on. Wait a minute. You, you were with Jerry Mulligan's group? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We play, I, I was in his group for a bit. And so, mm. you know, I, I actually saw her, uh, her play at Maria's band. I saw that happen. But, uh, you know, there's somebody that, w- another one, like I said, I went out of my way to go, I bet these are not going to be on your list because I think after you do your last one, Bill, I think there are a couple of things I think we've <laughs> all have maybe gone out of our way to ignore some obvious Yes. Uh, you know, like I think Maynard's sure. obvious and Maurice Andre's obvious. And there's at least one other that's or, that is tremendously obvious that we, right. we haven't haven't mentioned yet. But th- that doesn't mean that they were more important to trumpet or anything like that than these people that uh, I mean, you should really right. know about and you really should be aware of the, the legacy these people have left. But that's what that's all I've got to say. I'm Laurie. I yeah. found her to be uh, spectacularly right. uh, uh, impressive uh, trumpet player yeah. and teacher. So, Bill, what do you got for us? Well, I'll help us with that transition because there's no way I can make this list without putting Winton on it. Uh, he's right? still alive. Oh, that's right. This is the wrong show. Oh. <laughs> that's good. I had another one locked and loaded. Yeah. <laughs> so, actually, I, w- I threw Winton in there at the end, but we'll, now you have to give away because I'm going to talk about him next time. Uh, so, my last one's not a trumpet player. Shocking. Oh, then we do have to have a discussion afterwards. What kind yeah. of conductor is he? She? Uh, uh, he... he it's Bernstein. Oh my God. <laughs> Come on. Uh, turtlenecker. I had to do it. Turtlenecker. <laughs> American icon, influential thinker and interpreter, humanitarian. Yeah. Leonard Bernstein. Wow. It's on my list. And uh, I mean, it's always, I've always loved his interpretation of things and his playing has always been inspirational to me. But there's this one YouTube video. You, you guys have probably seen it. He's rehearsing the Berlin Philharmonic. A Mahler five yeah. in German. Yes. A Jewish American. Right? It's amazing to me. And so anyway, there's just there's so many reasons. But I think if like this is obviously influence outside of the trumpet realm, but yeah. But even Leonard inside, Bernstein. I mean there's there's so much music there. Yeah. You know. And yeah. I, I I'll certainly give you that. But okay. I, I don't want to abruptly leave Mr. Bernstein. But oh, I do want to say, okay. there, there, <laughs> he would there be do... a person that I don't think I have to justify too much why he's on my list. No, I mean, but he's yeah. Why Hersus, he's on anybody's list? Didn't make any of our lists. Hack. <laughs> <laughs> I thought. Okay, I thought for myself. Okay, so I, I, if it's three, the three easiest ones from our lifetime are, in some order, uh, Maynard and and Maurice Andre and Bud right. Herseth. Yeah, yeah. So I was I a little surprised. So I went out of my way not to pick any of those three because. Again, what do you find? What do I find impressive? You know, you talk about fifty years playing, you know, principal in the Chicago Symphony, and literally influencing generations. Everyone, yeah, sure. uh, of trumpet players and musicians, and and leading, you know, one of the world's great orchestras to always sound like one of the world's great orchestras. Yeah, you know, that's just what's better than that. <laughs> 
mm-hmm. you know. But I went, okay, well, one of those guys is going to pick him. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm, those are the three that I'm like, okay, those are the easy ones. So and I'm you're going to walk away. I'm, I'm taking my, I'm taking them off my list. I didn't pick anyone that played a lot of sea trumpet. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> nice. It's just it's, it's so much sea trumpet though. Yeah. It's a lot of sea trumpet. Yeah, it's a lot it of sea really trumpet is. with him. Yeah. <laughs> it's not about the B flat trumpet with yeah. him. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, right? Hersa. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought for sure he'd pop up, so I I that's why I went the other way. Yeah, I mean, I went I just went looking for something else and and I I don't know. I think probably that's my own fault like and i think about the developmental like the time that these people really influenced me i wasn't into the orchestra thing that much like so i didn't i wasn't pursuing that sure you know i was more into the solo stuff or jazz stuff or whatever you know but there's bernstein encompasses a whole bunch of things obviously but that's certainly true. so who's your honorable mention who did you because you had to narrow it down right Oh, I've, I've, <laughs> you know me. I've got lists. You had categories. <laughs> I, I rules. I yeah, I've got categories. It, it's that was, that was really hard. Uh, well, I mean, from the the Rafael Mendez is on there. Yeah, that's of course. You sure. know, because there was another, for lack of a better term, you know, uh, popular trumpet player. I I I don't think the orchestral people really think he's one of us, but the jazz people certainly don't think he's one of us either. Right. But wow. The stuff he puts out, I mean, you know, there are those, uh, the CDs that ITG has put together, which mm-hmm. to put a bunch of compilations together. There's lots of YouTube videos of live television broadcasts. That guy was unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, and just casually unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you would watch him play. He would come out, he would talk for like a minute and a half and then put up and play something that nobody can play, right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, I, like I said, the, the three I, I found easiest, I left off. But Rafael Mendez is right there. Yeah. It, so for me, it was either, well, of course, I mentioned Al Hurt. Yeah, Al Hurt's on there, absolutely. But nobody said Bill Chase. Yeah, that's, a, that's another hard one. You know, because, I mean, Bill Chase took lead trumpet playing, right? And uh-huh. if, we were, if we were talking about the evolution of lead trumpet, sure. obviously we don't have enough time for this. Right. But like I said, <laughs> up until the time Bill Chase got onto Woody Herman's band, the, the tradition was... The lead player covers the melody and stuff, but if it's got crazy screamy high notes, well, that's what you have Maynard for or some other guy in the section. Until Maynard got on Woody's band and said, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd have, you'd have all these solos and then all these high note solos that he would play as well. Because <laughs> he could. Because <laughs> he, he could. So the, the, his time with Woody Herman's band is really unbelievable. And Reinvented then, it. But then he takes it and says, yeah, but I want to go do something different and in, and invents Chase, the group, four trumpets with a rock band. Oh, my. And they had some popular acclaim. Oh, yeah. they, they made it. You know, they were yeah. actually working. There are people not in the trumpet world, not in the jazz and commercial world that are like big fans of Chase. Like that right. band had hits. Yeah. It was uh, spectacular. Brian, did you have an honorable mention? No. <laughs> he said that's three. It. He did. He three. struggled to get the three, <laughs> <laughs> and that's had it. To go back and listen to all of our shows to come up with those three. He had to. <laughs> he, had to he had to dig deep for Weidinger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently Weidinger's on your list. He was going that book off Weidinger, Valentine Snow, Valentine uh, Snow, uh, and Godfrey Rika. I, I need one more. Oh, God the angel, think about Rika. The angel Rika. Gabriel. There <laughs> that's it is. Right. <laughs> you know, well, he that's was what I should have done. Uh, there's a. 
<laughs> There's an argument to be made. Uh, I guess this would turn into a, a, a theological argument whether Gabriel has ever been living or dead. So he might not ca- he might not qualify <laughs> as an different angel. category. Oh, that's right. So we'd have where to go with Godfrey Where does he appear on the on I'm the gonna bracket? Write, I'm going to write yeah. that down for Jeopardy next week. <laughs> 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 All right, boys. Time for no offense. So listen, not getting the new Trombomundi CD. The non-articulation agreement immediately. Now available. Now available. That would be doing it wrong. But more seriously, go do some listening. That's how we figured out who all these heroes are anyway. So if you're not listening to stuff, you're doing it wrong. Go listen to new stuff and figure it out. Figure it out. <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. Yeah. And figure new yourself. stuff means new to you. It doesn't have to be stuff that came out this week. Like I said, go rent Chinatown. Listen to you on Racy. You'll yeah. like it. This is an episode in and of itself, right? Like trumpet players you don't know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like oh, and top- let, me, let me just say one more thing in closing. <laughs> there are trumpet players that, had I never met them, might be on this list. <laughs> 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 and I'm not going to mention them, but there are some that maybe I don't look up to quite the same way because I got to meet them and... That sort of ruined part of it for me. Yeah. So, I hey, if I find that, out uh, that some of these people, I met Lori a couple of times, so I know she's not a, a bad person, but everything I've already, uh, heard about Snooky and about Yuan was that they were also wonderful people. But uh, you, you should be checking those people out. But uh, yeah, it doesn't have to be new to be new to you. Right. And I like this idea too of make your list, right? Figure yeah. it out. Like, go ahead, try to narrow yourself down to your top three. Because if nothing else, it's a great thinking exercise to kind of go through and say. It's hard to do. You, it is hard to do. Maybe maybe make categories. Categories help. Categories Cornet, and rules. Cornet heroes. Uh, ancient important. trumpet heroes. <laughs> <laughs> these are the lists. Brian will be posting these on the site later this yes. week. <laughs> well, that about does it for today. We've come to the end of another episode of The Open Bell. Thanks for joining us. Stay tuned. Tell your friends and think about your heroes. So long for now. Remember to keep an open mind, but more importantly, an open bell.